Welcome back to the show. Tonight, I had Jover, Papa G, and Devo Dunbar on the show to talk about what they've been up to with Vice, Scrape Crusaders, and a wicked new event they're working on for 2018 called Drift Jam. As we've been doing, we start where Devo got his spark for cars. We did the same with Jover back in episode 16, so check that out to hear the same for him. In a bit of a new twist, this time we end with where Jover and Devo think the whole future of the industry is going. They've got a finger on the pulse, so stick around for their predictions. I really love shooting the shit with these guys, so I hope you enjoy the show. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. I'll adjust it every once in a while, but you guys don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we're here. Um, it's episode 37, the Bucket Seat Podcast, and I have Jover and Devo Dunbar here with me uh, for a chat tonight. And so first and foremost, thanks to both of you guys for coming out and making it here. That's an honor, man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so we've already heard it from Jover way back in episode 16, almost a year ago. So we're going to start with Devo tonight. So Devo's been on a few Vice segments. He's all about the grassroots drift scene. He's one of the co-founders of Money Gang Drift Crew, curates for Scraped Crusader, the the Scraped Crusader or Scraped Crusaders? Uh, It's Scraped Crusaders. Cool. Okay. Which is an auto lifestyle blog and brand. And they may even be up to, Jover and Devo, something like a new drift series next year. So I think in a collaborative uh, manner, you guys are going to be working on something that I think we might get to a little bit later on. But is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Can't wait to tell you all about it. All right. I like it. Okay. So um, we'll get to all of that and we're going to start where I always like to start, which is the beginning. Um, okay, so Devo, this is going to be for you. Um, I always do this with all of my guests, and I love to know it because I think it humanizes the whole conversation. Everyone likes to know who this person is and why they got into cars, and I think this is a nice place to start. So what was it that got you into cars? Kind of what was it inspi- that inspired or hooked you on it all? Uh, that's a good question. Um... I like to think it was my grandfather because he was a uh, diesel mechanic. So I was always the kid running around the shop in you know, diapers and shit like that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think being around them, I always just like the sounds. I always had toy Hot Wheels and stuff like that and Hot Wheels tracks, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. Was it a um, and was I I mean, because for a lot of us, I mean, me included, I just I didn't really find any interest in cars when I was really young. It actually it, and I'm, I openly admit it. I wasn't, I wasn't into cars when I was a kid, really. I got into cars when I was in, in high school. And for me, there was something about this like new sense of freedom and mobility that brought cars more so to my, to the front of my attention. And so, uh, was that something that like you were as a kid, like as a young kid, you were into it when you were running around the shop, you're saying you're in like a diaper while you're at this diesel mechanic shop. Like as early as I can remember, I've just always loved, always loved drawing them. I've always loved being in them my mom drove a she drove a five speed i guess eg civic oh nice and, uh <laughs> i hold that very near and dear yeah. to my heart yeah, yeah man i yeah, just i just remember like always watching her you know shift through the gears and downshift and she'd like you know rev match and all that stuff and i was like this is cool like driving is fun so <laughs> yeah you know, I just, i've always loved them i've always cool. loved cars you know what i'm just gonna move this a little bit closer to you just for a second cool um and you can get in there because jover you can go right into the side of that while we're doing this but at the beginnings it's still diva yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> um Okay, what was the first car that you ever owned? Oh, man. <laughs> My first car I owned was a 94 automatic BMW 320i. It was Alpine white, had white matching trim. My aunt was going to scrap it, and uh, I told her not to. I was like, can you just drop it off at my house? <laughs> and she did. Well, she wasn't going to scrap it, actually. Uh, what my family does is we donate cars to like a, a cause. So I think she was going to donate oh, it cool. to like the diabetic something. I don't know what they were going to do with it probably scrap it and take the money or something but uh it had like m bumpers and the exhaust leak so it sounded pretty cool no kidding oh, yeah that's and cool. i was like i think i was like 15 so i got it for free and i was really stoked and uh i don't know i got it with the intention of ripping it apart and i wanted to you know do one of those really big builds but i was always just too scared i'd you know try and turn a bolt and it wouldn't turn so i was like ah <laughs> and, right yeah yeah it was i don't know that was my first car it was cool um and so that one was kind of a bit of a donation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the first one that you ever that you purchased yourself? Ooh, uh, the first car I purchased myself was a 1995 Nissan 240SX. Oh, 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I missed that. I missed that. Would you say Jover? Totally internet famous car. I think it's what totally set Devo to be the character that he is today. No kidding. Oh my god. Okay, so tell me about yeah, this car. That's, that's the car. Because I had a, I had a ninety one two forty SX, which was oh cool, my baby, nice. one owner as well. Oh, wow. it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so tell me about this. Oh man, long story. That's all right. Uh, cool. So I used to work this random odd job. Uh, I think this was around when I was dropping out of university. Uh, so I worked this random job and I was like cleaning windows or something. So I'd have to go meet my boss every single morning at her house. So I was driving to her house one day and I noticed uh, perpen- like a- kind of on the adjacent street, uh, there was an S14 parked on a-, a front lawn. And I was like, hmm, it's interesting. So uh, after work one day, you know, I kind of like drove up and inspected it. And it looked like it had been sitting for a while. It had like rusty brake rotors, the rocker. The rockers were kind of falling out and, uh, you know, the paint wasn't that great. The clear coat was kind of peeling, but I was like, this is a pretty good, you know, like these, these cars are getting rarer and rarer. It's not too far gone. I could probably save it. Yeah. So I left a note on the windshield and it was basically, uh, I love that. I love these stories. Oh man. It wasn't even like a small note. Full disclosure. It was like an essay about like how much I love that car. (laughs) I was like, I need this car. Oh man. I wish the old owner probably does. Uh, yeah, it was basically just like, you know, I, I basically just need this car. Like there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Whenever you guys are selling it, let me know. So a few months later, I got a phone call and she was like, I want four grand for it. And I was like, that, like, that can't happen. I've got debt. Um, you know, a student, I can't do that. That's too much. Mm-hmm. So I just said, whatever. So a few months after that, uh, the lady who called me initially, cause it was a lady's car. Um, her husband called me and he was like, Hey man, listen, we're moving or something. I work at a used car lot. I just need this car gone. You know, what's uh, like, what's your price basically? And I was like a thousand bucks and I'll come and pick it up. So he said, sure. No I way. I was like, where's the, where's the car lot at? And he was like, gave me this address. And I realized it's right beside where I was working. I switched jobs. I was working at a, in like a building for the ministry of transportation, oddly enough, or the ministry <laughs> of environment, which is pretty funny. Now that I think about it. Cause I avoid those guys like crazy, but I was just doing like data entry. So I literally like, kind of turned to the side, looked out the window and I saw the car lot and then I saw the car and I was like, cool, see you after work. No so, way. Yeah. I you could to, literally see it from I where you're working. It. Yeah. No, it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> so I awesome. went to uh, TD, emptied my bank account and then I bought it and I realized I couldn't drive stick. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, like, wait a minute. There's a fundamental part of operating this. <laughs> yeah. The first car was automatic. So I couldn't really drive stick and he was like, all right, man, well, you know, enjoy and he let me use a dealer plate to drive home and i like stalled it in the parking lot stalled it again on the way home uh it probably shouldn't have been on the road because it needed so much work but it was through that car that i met all my friends like uh even in like patching the rockers and stuff like that that's how i met mike from gt custom exhaust it was his shop he decided to help me out oh no way like that yeah so yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's got a pretty he's got a pretty active Instagram account, doesn't he? Oh yeah, it's yeah. all. Is it, 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 it? Am I correct? in his account is pretty much he always has the car parked in front of his shop, and he always lets it fire up, and he's always is he blasting exhaust in it all the time? I'm thinking of the wrong guy, right? <laughs> well, he does have an exhaust shop, so I can imagine that yeah, it be. You know what? I might yeah, be thinking yeah, of somebody different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to check. He always that does out. have a cool car parked out front, though. He's got yeah, he he's got a lot of toys. So, um, what kind of what time period are we talking about here? Uh, this was 2013, 2014. I think I was ni- 19 when I got that car. Okay. Okay. So, right, yeah. right. Right. Okay. Um, color. It was black. And oh, then I nice. roll painted it gray, uh, on my driveway. <laughs> my neighbors were not happy. And I think we'll get to that later, but if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> that's also a bit of a theme for the money gang drift crew. Yes. It was our color of choice. Right. Okay. Us. Okay. So, I mean, that's a pretty amazing first vehicle and you you obviously did a lot of work to it and you did it does it still exist today uh yeah i mean it's it's a tough it's a tough uh conversation to have because the new owner raised it and stuff Uh Uh so he painted it and it's just like it still works it's just not as cool as it was right right i mean (laughs) hey i mean if it makes you feel any better my 91 one owner me being the second owner um 240sx i'd sold it it had some compression issues when I sold it. It still had the old KA motor in it. So, you know, yeah. it was like, it's a truck basically, but it was fun as hell. And I had, I, you know, I did a lot with it. The motor was the only thing that I hadn't worked on. And I found out after I sold it, it was like three weeks later, 
this kid had swapped an SR20 into it and wrapped it around a telephone pole. Like classic story, car completely written off, gone, all of that hard work, all the restoration that I'd done with a bunch of my friends. Shout out to Mike and Mike for helping me with that. Um, but it was really unfortunate to know that that was the demise of the car. Um, but maybe that's easier in some ways. You're just like, you pull the bandaid off, the car's gone. You don't even have to yeah. see it anymore. Yeah, I still see it around at drift events and stuff. It's weird. It's, weird. it's like <laughs> it's seeing awkward. your ex. Yeah. <laughs> I sat in the driver's seat at the uh, last event I drove and I was like, this is strange. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to go back. We're going to go back uh, a little bit more. One of my favorite questions. What was the cool car to have when you were in high school? Which wasn't all that long ago. Yeah. Full disclosure, I was in high school like five, six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the cool car to have in high school was an S14. Right. Hey. That was like the, that was like, those were the days of the, uh, you know, the 240 craze. I guess it's still going on. People oh, still like those cars for some reason. It was going on. It still is going on. Yeah. If you can find them. Yeah. Yeah. They're all uh, blowing away in the wind. <laughs> no but, kidding. Yeah. They're all kind of half falling apart. <laughs> <to and> dust. <laughs> yeah. I've I've seen one around this neighborhood that looks like it looks like a one owner car, someone who's had it since, and it's a it's an S thirteen, um, and I swear this whoever has it has no clue what they have on their hands. Oh it's one of those goodness. ones where I want to just go write the short novel and put yeah, it on yeah, there yeah. and be Try like, come it. on guys, just <laughs> please just let this go for like twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> write a novel and wait six months it'll work. Yeah, and it's ma it's maroon, which is such a crazy oh, yeah, color cool. for that. I didn't even I don't maybe it's not the stock color, but um, I don't know if I had the maroon S thirteen hatch. What color was the interior? It was a gray cloth interior. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, I had I had hyper white. The factory hyper white with black cloth interior it was just it was so good so cool it was back in the days when i mean anybody who's listening to this who's listened to any of the other episodes is super <laughs> bored at this point but um it was it, it was a it was a car that this woman um she was a psychiatrist in hamilton she had a formula ford uh car she had a at the time a 350z which was pretty new at the time a fully track built 350z and she had this 240SX as her daily still. The 240SX had like a, a back in the day, I mean, a Jim Wolf tuned ECU on that weird KA. What? Um, it had Nissan Motorsports uh, brakes and suspension control arms and uh, front and rear sways before Nismo even existed. What? It was still Nissan Motorsports no parts. No way. Um, and so all that was on the car. And even at the time, like I knew it was cool and special, but I didn't really understand like I do today how special that was. Like put that in a time capsule. Yeah. <laughs> today yeah. would have been a pretty cool moment to reveal oh it. <laughs> but anyways. Um, okay. So on to today, your daily driver. Sometimes I ask stable of daily drivers, but it's very rare that people have stables uh, at this point. Um, now, what is it that you, what did you roll up in today? Uh, what I'm driving now, because it's winter, is a, uh, it's like an 03 Jetta wagon, two liter, five speed. Oh, it's uh -huh. great. Very uh -huh. responsible. The heater works now. Yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> the heater stopped working yesterday, which was the first day of snow and the blower course, motor just stopped. That's so, the way it works. Yeah, yeah, I spent all day sitting in traffic and uh, fighting with that. So oh it works. Cold toes, right. Um, and so what is, uh, so outside of that, so you do have a stable, you have two, two makes a stable. Yeah, I guess. Um, so what is your, what's your other vehicle? It's uh, also a 2003 or it might be an 02. I'm not sure. It's a BMW 320i. So nice. It's an E46. It's got a lot of really sick mods. Can I get into them? Yeah, please do. Cool. I've never nice. Finally. Yeah. Uh, now this is your this is all your notes, Steve. <laughs> you you literally have the microphone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is amazing. Uh okay, so it's got an E36 uh front end conversion. So it's on an angle kit. It's a prototype angle kit I got off uh old friend Money Gang Steve's car. Uh so it required us using an E36 knuckle and a custom an E36 knuckle and a custom BC coilover. Yeah. Um, it got, it's got like softer spring rates all around. I have a half cage made by Mitchie Speed Shop that he gracefully built around the, the full interior. Ah, gracefully built around. That's yeah. nice. I like he that. Really, he really didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've known him since high school. So I was like, Mitch, please just do this. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty like set up. It's pretty boring. I guess. Oh come on, no, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound very boring <laughs> he's to got me. Pretty rad wheels on the, yeah, uh, yeah the it's, he's actually lowered it this year too. Oh yeah, it's lower. Yeah, yeah it's got a eighteen by nine and a half row to slip streams all around and mm, uh, nice. Yeah, it's it's low. Uh, it works really well. I tried to keep it 
what I tried to do is take a combination of all of BMW's good kind of stock parts mm -hmm. and just put them together in one. So it's like modified, but it's modified with a bunch of, you know, factory parts from other vehicles that just kind of work. Right. But, well, and yeah. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken too, the, the whole kind of BMW family, especially through those generations have fairly interchangeable parts. Yeah. Everything works. Everything. Right. It's like yeah. Lego. Devo was talking about even swapping in something that meets his transmission. Why don't you tell him about that, Devo? Yeah, Ooh. I don't know. I'm gonna get a lot of uh, <laughs> gonna get a lot of flack for this, but I'm thinking about removing the M54, okay. uh, which is the engine that came with it. Yeah, it's, it's swapped to a three liter. I put a three liter in like probably about a year ago. Okay, I'm taking it out, and I'm gonna put an M44, which uh, BMW guys might know as the iron block aluminum head mm -hmm. uh, e36 four cylinder and i'm going to do a head gasket and just throw 20 pounds of boost at it wow and see what wow. happens so i don't think it's been done on an e46 you're weird but Diva. yeah okay. yeah i know i know i know hear everyone saying oh just one j swap it just put an m52 in it blah 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 yeah. like, everyone's like, got an opinion man yeah. everyone's got an opinion but until you build it i mean nobody can really judge you for it then as soon as you build it you judge <laughs> yeah seriously um, and and so that is a that's a daily driver in the summer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. Hopefully, it's going to be you know. Really. So you said low. How low? <laughs> like still manageable low? Yeah, it's you know any ride height's manageable if you're you know. <laughs> depending, <laughs> depending on, on where your, your priority. Yeah, depending on your priorities. Like going back a bit, Devo's S14 it slammed to the ground. Yeah, it was really low. Yeah, it was like. I don't know. I winter drove it very low too. It was yeah, like tucking, no tucking lip on seventeen. You're just yeah. helping everyone else on the road with a bit of a snowplow. It's really nice when you can feel the snow on the floor pan. Yeah, going over speed bumps and feeling the floor kind of Flex. cave in. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. pretty cool. Well, yeah, winter daily stress test. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I recommend. It's one of those things that sucks to do while you're doing it, but when you look back on it, you're like, yeah, that was fucking cool. Like that was rad. So. <laughs> Every other year, I try to have a fun winter car. I like it. Okay, so there was something that you did recently, I believe recently this year, uh, with Vice. Yes. And so what is it that you were doing with Vice? I mean, it, you know, uh, I know because I've kind of done some research back on it, but why don't you tell everybody listening just what it was that you did with them, kind of what this whole feature was all about and, um, and how it came about too. So I've always uh, been a big fan of vice media even through high school mm -hmm. uh, when i worked that job uh that helped pay for my 240 i'd pretty much just spend all day on vice.com reading articles and stuff like that yep and uh i always thought it was weird that they never did anything with cars because they're always into all of these kind of they always do stories sorry on all of these uh vices i guess all yeah. these weird subcultures and things that most people don't really talk about but they've never done anything on cars and cars, it's such an immersive, as you know, it's such an immersive lifestyle. It's just something that you, uh, like you have to see to kind of believe, to realize there's a whole like miniature economy driven on this stuff. So, Absolutely. Uh, I saw, uh, where do I even start with this? Um, <laughs> I think it was that, I think it was that, um, that sort of piece on like, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I've been waiting, you know, for them to do something, you know, hoping and they didn't. And then one day they did. And they blew it. It was terrible. They made some, uh, I think it was Norman Wong. We're getting a little cameo from my daughter. It's all good. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, Norman Wong. He made a, a video about the car scene and everything. And he just blew it. He labeled everyone as street racers, which uh, is just not a cool thing to do. And uh, yeah, you know, he just needed to remake it. So I reached out to him and he was getting a lot of uh, hate on the internet. I think he was saying he was getting like threats and stuff like that. And I was like, hey man, you know, you blew it, but I can help you make this right. Obviously I kind of had to take some pity on him because there are a lot of things that uh, we will take for granted as car guys that, you know, we can kind of walk into a car meet and tell if it's, you know, a bunch of street racers or if it's just a bunch of kids, you yeah. know, chilling, drinking coffee or whatever to a normal unsuspecting person whose whole uh, opinion on cars is based on just watching the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. You see a couple modified cars in a parking lot and you think they're setting up to do something bad. Of course. <laughs> so I kind of explained that to him and I was just like, you know, like you messed this up and it's like, it's not good that you messed it up, but I'm willing to help you fix it. And yeah, that just became what it became. At first it was supposed to be a 15 minute, you know, bandaid fix. And mm -hmm. then uh, director Shawnee Cohen got involved. And uh, it became like this three-part series. They might turn it into a television show. It really depends on if Rogers wants to continue with 
device. No but, kidding. Wow. Yeah, it was super cool. Okay, Very so cool. Um, in terms of the just like the core of what it is, so it's it's a feature on Money Gang Drift Crew, right? I mean, yes. it, and it it is about um, kind of what drifting means to people who are involved in it. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it's about. Yeah, and the cool thing about Money Gang is every one of them is uh, sort of has a, a a character, and they add their own viewpoints on on each little thing and how it all pertains to grassroots yeah. drifting and how you know it's a participatory sport. It's a great alternative to doing something on the street, mm-hmm. and uh, it really is a cool subculture to be part of. I love it. I mean, so uh, if somebody wanted to go and find it today, what would they search? Uh, they would search uh, Vice Smoke Show. I think it's episode three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Episode yeah. three, Money Gang. You could just search Vice Money Gang, and I think... Yeah, yeah. it pops up. Yeah. yeah, it pops up. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, you, it's hard to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It's really well done. Um, it's really nicely shot. I think you guys did a great job of um, portraying what drift is all about and especially in canada where to be honest you know i've kind of been all around and it's not necessary canada isn't necessarily looked at as being a a massive component to the the world of automotive enthusiasm and i think that that's a bit of a you know i think that's a bit of a misconception i'm really happy that you guys are kind of debunking all of that for everyone too yeah yeah it was a definitely a lot of fun uh, doing it. I kind of wish they used shots with nicer looking cars if I was to do it again. I mean, like, yeah, I don't want to start complaining about it. No, but I mean, <laughs> hey, listen, though, I mean, think we, we all come out of we all come out of productions and, um, you know, pieces that we might be involved with creatively or from a lifestyle standpoint that we all know what could be better next time. And so uh, you're yeah. clearly really cognizant of that and going yeah. into whatever this next one is going to be. I mean, I, I can only imagine it'll be better. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've got your list of what's next and what I want, and what I don't want out of it. <laughs> so I hope that you keep doing, keep encouraging them for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so money gang drift crew crew still going strong. You guys are still together. This is still a thing. Yeah. Uh, tough question i think so uh we're still friends now, right? yeah <laughs> it's yeah, the behind know, the scenes vice <laughs> loves that we're still always going to be like friends and stuff the whole like money gang drift crew thing it was just kind of a joke and then uh we all painted our cars and it was like cool and then vice put a camera on us and it was like whoa this is very very serious yeah and i think the whole reason that we came up with the money game it's a joke right mm-hmm. you know the name the money game we're all broke we all you know i live with my grandma like no one's yeah, totally. no one's flexing we're all in like 600 hundred dollar cars yeah. like <laughs> but uh it's I, th- I feel like it just got very serious and it ended up kind of becoming uh not really what it was yeah so i don't know i, I kind of had a plan to paint my car a different color and we all did the we all did the same color car thing already. So don't get me wrong. We're still all going to drive together. Those are still the guys that we, you know, we all pit together at the same drift events and we all hang out, you know, we we're out street drifting in the snow cool. uh, last in night Mexico, right? in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Allegedly in Toronto <laughs> Allegedly, after the first snowfall, yeah, you can't prove anything. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, I mean, it, would you say that part of what you're doing, like to me, it kind of feels like you have taken on this role as a bit of an educator. I mean, in Jover, we talked about it in the last podcast with you too, is that the more people that we have out there, you know, fighting the good fight and getting more people into these kind of grassroots motorsports, and the better it is for all of us. But at the same point, I mean, do you consider yourself as being a, you know, as a, as an educator or as a mentor, as a leader, as someone that people can look up to, um, to be able to get into this sport? Like, are you open to helping people and finding new ways to get in and making this more accessible for people? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got all my friends into drifting. Um, yeah, I had a friend, Brian, that brought me to a drift event when I was like 18. And then, um, that's when I invited Steve or I invited Christoph to come to a drift event. He was into like hard parking and, you know, the scrape crusaders, typical, you know, just car meet stuff. And I was like, Hey man, like you should drive this car. So we went to Shannonville to a drift ops day and then he sold his car and got an E36 and, you know, same with Mike and Steve too. Yeah. I got them all into drifting. Amazing. So I I think so in that way, like I, I really get people out there to make bad decisions, but (laughs) gang leader does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned the scraped crusaders. So tell us kind of what it is, um, what you do for scraped crusaders 
Scary Crusaders is another blog that I was uh, really stoked on in high school uh, before I even really knew who ran it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I guess just through car stuff, I ended up meeting the owner, going to those local car meets. And uh, I don't know, I just kind of, I, I love taking photos and I love writing. So it's mm -hmm. a creative outlet for me. I just submit things every once in a while. And uh, yeah, it's very cool. It's a really... I don't know if anybody ever, I remember one of the best reads that I've had in a while was Devo's uh, uh, Getting Lost in the Build. It's a it's a great great uh, little uh, piece of literature, and I think it garnered a lot of interest. Yeah, it basically talks about how, you know, a lot of people are developing their car, over developing their car, and possibly not even finishing their car when they could be building something simpler, and getting into motorsports on a really grassroots level, at an affordable point, and enjoy yourself. Wow, yeah. I like the sounds of that. I mean, I, admittedly, I haven't, I haven't read it, so I'm gonna have to check it out. So that is on Scrape Crusaders. Yeah, that's on ScrapeCrusaders.com. Nice. Yeah, it's okay, called, it's a great story. It's called Getting Lost in the Build. I was Getting basically, it's yeah. just tired of uh, like builds. I don't know. It's I feel hypocritical almost because I'm about to get lost in the build <laughs> with this uh, turbo setup and stuff like that. But I just think uh, drifting is about driving. And it's not about just putting together the sickest car with, you know, the best cage and the best bash bar setup and the best LS7 and the best transmission. It's just like, no, just, you know, get a 240, slam it on coils, weld the diff, go out drifting. Right. So Or drift a really rare Corolla, crash it, and cry about it. <laughs> That's my life. Yeah, or that, or that. <laughs> Jover's got that. I'm just going to slide this over here for a second. Cool. Okay, there we go got you guys being able to share that so everyone knows i'm forcing devo and jover to share a microphone still <laughs> we're dick. still on the budget side of this build <laughs> when it comes to my podcast devo, setup you, any closer you'd be kissing me man oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> okay so drift events in 2018 so something we alluded to earlier um why don't you guys tell me what you're up to i mean what, what can we expect come this spring and summer all right so like Basically, we we were talking about this uh, because there's definitely a need um, to fill a void here in Ontario. I mean, we all have our fun drift lapping events, but I think the void is that, uh, especially from the competition drivers, they were like, we need a series to drift in, right? We need a series in Ontario that's Ontario-based and yeah. uh, go out and slay and have possibly a chance of winning some money or prizes or trophies and add to the repertoire yeah there's there's nothing in ontario right now i know when i was following uh steve around and he was competing in formula drift and really just trying to find leagues to compete in it was just kind of accepted that it was a road trip every single uh every really? single event yeah. yeah he's driving at least eight hours to either go to quebec or oh, south of the border when you go south of the border you got to deal with tires and tire tax and Oh god! Yeah. Other... I mean, just getting through the border half the time. Yeah, yeah. Doing I mean, that Quebec with, like, is trailer. Quebec's got a pretty good uh, auto enthusiast scene. Motorsports in general are pretty, you know, highly yeah. regarded and accepted there too. So I can imagine, yeah, having to drive to Quebec, you're like, it's not just next door. It is, but yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. But you know, I don't speak the language, and mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. So we're. Well, and also for me, I mean, uh, I'm a little bit older now. I think my interests were more like. Uh, based on my experience as a driver mm -hmm. when I was a bit younger and getting better at driving, which I think is still going to grow until I get older and older. And then maybe I won't be able to drive anymore by, by then, but uh, maybe a robot will do it for me. <laughs> but um, We'll talk about that too. <laughs> but uh, basically it comes from like, um, you know, a sort of place in my heart that I want to have a legacy to look back on. It's not just, a passing phase or faces that you remember that you don't remember their name later on in life. I think later on in life, I want to be able to look back and go, I had a great group of people that I had fun with and we put together something that was meaningful. So for me, that was, that's something that I want to do for 2018. Um, Sounds like one hell of a place to start with something. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think, I think if we, I almost get inspired by feel the dreams in a way. If you build it, it will come or he will come. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of uh, more of like, you know, you kind of manifest your destiny. You make, you decide your fate. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know, in a way, me as an older person wants to, and I'm not old, by the way, but. God, yeah, you came in here in a walker, Joe. <laughs> You're old, man. Some days I'm on a walker. But yeah, I think it's more like I want to, 
you know, not on a selfish point, I want to see friends succeed. And if it's meaningful for them to compete and measure up against the rest of the field, I'm going to put on a show for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see some really good skids. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the great yin and yang about me and Devo is that um, Devo's sort of the new school generation of drifters. Mm-hmm. I'm like the OG, pretty stubborn, not going to change his ways, drive an old archaic <laughs> chassis kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whereas like there's, there's cats that, you know, around Devo's age that are pushing the limits of like engineering even. Yeah. You know, yeah. when it comes to setup on yeah, cars. Just like a it's ton of control. experimentation happening. Yeah. The yeah. Jover's in the back just shaking his head. God <laughs> oh, damn yeah. these Manual kids, man. Rack, yeah. But it doesn't mean our rule book is going to be pretty tight. I think we were talking about it earlier. We kind of want to make the rule book sort of fun in that you could find a couple of ways to be a creative, um, you know, coach builder. Yeah, the rule book mm. is going to kind of... Uh, I don't know if I want to give too much away, but yeah, yeah, don't give be... too much away no. for the hundreds of thousands of listeners listening. <laughs> don't give it all away. Uh, it's gonna uh, just kind of emphasize the best show. Like that's what we want. We just want yes. it to be as as much fun for the drivers mm-hmm. and as interesting to watch for the people who show up and might not like be into drifting, might not really know what drifting is. I always find yep. drifting is a lot like football. Uh, football is really boring to watch. I don't know how people watch football because there's just so much downtime. You're offending all the football fans. Oh, man. Don't worry, yeah. there aren't any. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any on this show. They need show. to hear this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I think just getting rid of the downtime and uh, yeah, constant like, action on the track. Yeah, just keeping the track hot. Just yeah. making sure there's always something to watch and like, yeah, yeah. And um, the biggest thing that we want to bring back which is kind of lost in some of the professional sort of level of drifting nowadays is that uh, winning is everything. And I think for us, I feel like style is everything as well. Like you can win, but I think if you can win the crowd by being who you are and presenting yourself a certain way mm-hmm. and driving a certain way, um, that's going to win fans, which is to me bigger than winning an actual trophy yeah, or bragging rights or, or bragging whatever. rights. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, to me, it sounds like, like you said, you just want to see some skids. <laughs> it, it sounds like, I mean, you guys want to, you know, just create a safe place for people to come out, have fun with their cars, still have a, a, a competitive aspect to all of it, but mm-hmm. it's not, you know, nobody's taking themselves too seriously. And it also sounds like the barrier to entry, you're trying to make as low as possible to get people in, get people in the seats and get people on the track and driving. Yeah, yeah. We just want people to experience drifting. Drifting is so cool. Even if you're not into cars, I've taken my mom drifting. She doesn't care about cars. She doesn't care about any of this stuff. (laughs) But like, it's it's just such an interesting and fun thing to watch. Yeah. It's... Yeah, people just need What do you to find for, in terms of what you guys have experienced too and in in the events that you've participated in and the event that you're 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 putting together now or events you're trying to put together now? How how important is the crowd? I mean, it it sounds like I mean, this isn't this isn't a battle against the clock. And when you've got enough people out there that are excited about what's happening on the track, I mean, clearly that's got to be encouraging for you guys when you're driving and for the teams and when you're in the pits. Like you've got people out there watching and actually participating in this. How do you, what, what's the biggest draw to get people in? The biggest draw to keep people in is I think the promise of uh, having a good time. Yeah. And, and honestly, um, the, the vibe's got to be right. I mean, I've been to certain, even if you go out, you know, you go to a certain bar and the vibe's not right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, ah, I don't feel this. I'm going to yeah. bounce and go to the next one. Right, yeah. The mu- doesn't matter how good the music is yeah. or how great the drinks are. The vibe's yeah. not right. Everybody's out. It's yeah, true. if it's filled with a bunch of like you know douchebags, and you don't want to stick around, right? <laughs> um, so, okay, so do you guys have a? Is, is it going to fall under a particular name? Can you tell us that at this point? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're gonna call it a uh, drift jam, drift jam throwdown. That's gonna be the uh, the competition, the competition series. series. Amazing. Okay, yeah, so throwdown. Ontario specific. Yep. Drift jam is the series. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, how many events do you think you'll be able to put on in 2018? We're planning for three events. Uh, cool. We're planning one round at Shannonville, mm-hmm. one at Cayuga, and one at Sunset. If everything goes well, we'll have all three of those venues. Sunset is that Barry? Yeah, it's yeah. in Barry. Oh no, kidding! So, yeah. That's wait a minute. It's like 40 minutes north. I know. Is it? 
is it like a kidney shaped track yeah that's right that's right right okay oh my god a long time ago i did a nascar like oh sorry uh Cascar, is that right? Yeah, Cascar. A, a Cascar right. school at that track. Oh, yeah. My dad got it for me as a Christmas gift one year. <laughs> and it so was insane. Cool. This was a long, long time ago. Um, but that was a really fun, that was a really fun track. Um, okay, so three events. Uh again, so Shannonville, Cayuga, and Sunset. Yeah. Awesome. Um, spring, summer, fall. Um, we're gonna be doing late um late summer because you know what? I always find that June's sort of damp. And that, yeah. um, you know, it could be kind of miserable if it's damp. So pretty much in July, we're guaranteed dry weather, August, and then September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So with all of with all of that kind of going on, what would you say to somebody listening? Really, you're just talking to me at this point. To somebody <laughs> listening who doesn't have a vehicle that is right now capable of entering, doesn't have any seat time driving you know, in any kind of drift environment whatsoever, what would you say the first steps are that that person needs to take in order to get themselves prepared for this uh, late spring, early summer? Oh, like starting from scratch and has no experience. Yeah. Let's say, yeah, exactly. Ooh. Like they want to get involved in this. They think this is super cool. Yeah. Let's just talk about the very like high level. So you clearly you'd need a car. Yeah. You need a car. Give us the three top vehicles that you'd pick right now to put somebody into if they had, Let's say let's say they have a you know a reasonable budget, and I say reasonable budget like I don't know five grand, three grand, five grand, somewhere in there, and they just want to have something that's not going to be a daily driver. They're going to be able to get it out to the track and drive and have fun. I'm a little biased with this, but I'm going to say BMW. Any BMW 3 Series, I got mine for six. Actually, that's a lie. I got mine for a thousand dollars, and I could have driven it home. That being said, they're great cars. Uh, you can get them often for less than five hundred dollars if you uh, wow. kind of scrub Kijiji. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Holy shit! Um, I have a knack for cars falling in my lap, and for some reason, I <laughs> this year alone. Oh no, yeah, this year alone, I ended up with two E forty sixes for sub thousand bucks. You know, like, no kidding. Yeah, great cars. I mean, both five speed. Both had the three liter in it. No rust. You know? No, no rust. Yeah. But like. So this you is know, the generation. This is the the BMW E36 yeah. generation, E46 generation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it just makes sense because like 240s are better to start. I I will wholeheartedly say that. But spending four grand on a car that you're gonna learn to drift in, like learn to drift in, is not a good idea. <laughs> right. If you're gonna learn to drift in a car, you just have to kind of expect like every single time I'd take my 240 on track, it was like this could be the last day I, I could meet the wall. Like this could be the very last yeah. day I drive this car. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, yeah, you don't want to do that in a car that, you know, you spent your last four grand on or whatever. Totally. So. I do it all the time to you. <laughs> and you know what, when I spin out or nearly flip over, I'm still laughing at the end of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is okay. True. So now I've, I've got my, let's say I've got my E36, my E46. I've got it. I know when the event is going to be, what do I need to do to get myself there? What do I have to do to prep? Like, am I caging? Do I need a helmet? What What are the you yeah, know What definitely. are the basics? Uh, for our event, you're definitely going to want a cage, a helmet. You're going to want all that safety equipment. Yes. yes. Fire suppression. Well, fire extinguisher is what we're, yep. we're going to mandate. Yep. Um, of course, you're going to need equipment. So you're going to need some coilovers and suspension parts and seat. Um, fire suit. Fire suit, definitely. Mm-hmm. Flame proof. Yeah. Yeah. You might need tires at some point. Tires, possibly. Yeah, you, I might, mean, you might need at least one set of tires. If you're if you're looking to cut your teeth with a competition, you're gonna have to have some a little bit of a a serious repertoire of parts that yeah. that kind of will get you there and get you competitive. But again, you can get lost in the build mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, not be ready for 2018, or you can spend your five grand, buy a cheap thousand dollar BMW, get some coils, get a seat, and uh, gut it out. Get some experience. Get some experience. Go on the skid pad. That's the first thing I would do is get yeah. on the skid pad. Right. And if you can't afford skid pad, you're probably not in the right sport. Yep. You know. Fair Unfortunately, yeah. yeah, it sucks to say that. That sounds really shitty. But uh. But no, that that's one of the barriers, yeah. and you know, I think you have to be realistic with what you're going to put into it, both time and money. So, mm. okay, so so if if somebody wanted to get into a skid pad, where are you sending them? 
Uh, I would say like uh, come over to some of the events at Shannonville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shannonville's a great yeah. track. That's the first track I ever Man, drifted. If you build a really cool looking car, D one SP. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Martino. Shout He's out got Martino. some really cool like, I guess the top echelon of like JDM cool looking cars. Yeah, I really wish I fit in with that group. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, even my cool girl isn't cool yeah. enough. But no kidding. <laughs> well, so okay, so here's something because um, so now okay, so we've got. We've got our car built. We've got it prepped. We're going to go out to the, we're going to come out to one of the events. Um, I'm not necessarily coming out to, to win. I mean, given the environment yeah. you guys are creating, I'm coming out to have fun. I'm coming out to get seat time, to learn, to understand threshold of the vehicle. Um, you know, it, what, what does that, um, what does the entry into an event like that look like? If I've had a, you know, a little bit of skid pad time and mm-hmm. I understand the basics and dynamics of my vehicle, um, what does that first what does that first event look like for me? Am I going out? We're not going tandem. You're going out on your no, own. You're, you're, so you're talking like a, just an open lapping shot. Yeah. Drift day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what are you looking to be doing that day? <clears throat> or no, no. So more so. Um, so open lap. I mean, yeah. open lapping. You're in a safe environment. You've got space between you and yeah, the next you're car. You're not going to be in front, getting up behind. on someone's doors. Right away, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, all three of those tracks, if I'm not mistaken, are like fairly low consequence too. I mean, I guess sunset's got sunset. some walls yeah. all the way around. But... That is the terror drone. Yeah. We're hoping that it's going to be the terror drone. It makes it exciting. But I think at the same will... time, we don't want to watch watch people wad their their shit on the track you yeah know? No. Like, no honestly please no crashes yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> there will be crashes uh. <laughs> um cool okay well i mean what i what i found really interesting in a couple of other podcasts i was listening to um there is uh a guy god i wish i could remember his name he runs drift 101 at thermal um oh. in california and so basically you can pay for a day to go out and um, run in his 240 or you can run in a 350Z. And so those are set up literally for a couple of hours of instruction, which he mm-hmm. takes you out and, you know, he's literally, you know, hands on giving you the instruction. I don't know. Maybe I don't want to, you know, burst any bubbles, but maybe that's something you guys might want to think about, too, in terms of yeah, offering honestly. something like that kind of in between or on the side, because it might be an interesting way to also um prepare people for uh for for your events and kind of to get into the whole world of, of drifting too it's definitely yeah. something i've thought of i honestly i have a story for you like i remember meeting some really i felt like he was a mid-level executive uh coked up dude that was really like into <laughs> my lifestyle when i was towing his range rover that was broken down anyways he i told him about drifting and he's like hey is there any way that I could entertain my clients mm. by getting you to rent me cars? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I shouted out all my friends at the time. I'm like, hey, uh, would you consider renting your car out to some yuppie dudes that <laughs> that probably don't know how to drift and probably will wreck your shit? Is that cool? And they're like, <laughs> maybe uh, for $10,000 deposit. <laughs> right. And maybe if uh, there's money to be made. And right. it's cool. I, I know that. Eventually, honestly, part of that whole legacy talk that I talked about, I want to be able to teach people how to enjoy themselves on the track. Yeah. And um, if if there was a principal sponsor, shout out to principal sponsors out there, <laughs> holler, give me a few Mustangs or BRZs or, you know, uh, Toyota 86s, and I will teach the masses how yeah. to drift. Call yeah, it, call it donut school. Yeah. You heard it here first. You heard it first. I love that. <laughs> the big zero. Yeah. The big zero. Okay. So Jover, I mean, you, we move, we've been talking about it. You've been alluding to it in terms of your car being upside down in your car, sideways in your car, crying about your car. <laughs> you have a, you have a very special car that if, again, going back to episode 16, anybody wants to learn about it, the ins and outs, um, you have not one, but many, I think, or multiple. It's 86s. a secret how many I have. Honestly, I feel like I'm one of those people that's got to stash their hoard. He's hoarding them. Please don't judge me. <laughs> um, yeah, Jover may have the largest collection of Toyota 86s in the entire world. Everyone find him. <laughs> it's a revolving door, and I feel like they don't. It is. It is probably sort of a problem, but like they, co- they they come to me without even any. Kind of like uh, looking through Kijiji or anything. <laughs> yeah. 
None of this. I, I look at the ones at Kijiji and I laugh because it's like, ha, $14,000 SR5. Okay. <laughs> and then I think all my friends are investing in Bitcoin and I'm buying old Japanese scrap. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's going up in value. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So have you been, uh, have you been preparing something as the, as the showcase piece for the drift series in the summer? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, my original A86. So a little bit of backstory. It's the first car I ever bought with, uh, my first loan I ever took out, mm-hmm. like in the land of like 1998, in the time of 1998, the I was, I was four years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's the landscape true. was there was tons of A86s. They, nobody called them A86s, by the way. Right. It was just the twin cam Corollas, right? Or GTS Corollas. In the, the landscape of the automotive market back then in used cars, everything was a thousand bucks. Like, you know, a thousand bucks rusty whatever but it's fun to drive right so and i funny. found my car and the guy was uh advertising for 6500 bucks i'm like who is this asshole that wants to sell me a 6500 corolla as my first car i gotta see this car in real life <laughs> <laughs> so i ended up going to see this car and the, you know after test driving it i found that it had a supercharged 4 gze mm-hmm. which is the mr2 Ooh supercharged right. motor in it. It was lowered. It had raised uh Volk racing rooms on it. Nice. It had some DTM like lame exhaust, but it was it was still kind of like, you know, cool at the time. And uh, I remember this is the car I wanted to buy. And I was I was just taking no for an answer. I was like I'm not going to take a no for an answer. I put in an offer and they were like, "Well, we're not happy with that offer, but we don't want any more test pilots." Number 1. Mhm. And number 2, as long as you take it to the street races, we're cool with that. Oh my god! <laughs> One stipulation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I ended up with my first car, and to this day, it's still in development. I mean, it's constantly in phase, and lost that's in the build. Lost, lost in the build. In the exactly. Build. Lost. Totally lost <laughs> in the build. Like honestly, that's me. The, there was a, there's been a few times where it was kind of like mothballed. But it's always going to be part of my development as a person and part of me growing up. Right. It's your you family know? now. Yeah, exactly. I've like done everything from crashing into walls and crashing into curbs and taking girls out in it. Crashing into friends. Crashing, <laughs> crashing into, into friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you trade a little paint. That's the way it yeah. is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> But, that, that's uh, but will you have, you'll have it. I mean, it's running. It's up and running now. You'll be up and ready. No, and- actually, it. Uh, 2018 was more of like a, I had a, I guess like home life development. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving any excuses because mm-hmm. it's lame to be excuses, giving you excuses, but, but life happens. I was adulting. <laughs> I hear that, man. I hear that. I, I sold my WRX. It's gone. I drive a, I drive a cross track right now, man. <laughs> Never doing any of that. Which I love. I love cross tracks, but <laughs> it's not a WRX. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's basically, there's always been like this plan. Um, the engine's on an engine stand. It's mm-hmm. fully freshed out. It's got new components to it. Nice. I mean, it's hard to go through a whole shopping list, but right. basically a solid good chunk of like a month's pay in the motor alone. So, you know, yeah. I don't know if like I'll get out there and enjoy it or get out there and feel like I'm going to be afraid to blow it up. Right. Baby it a bit. <laughs> no, I, Joe, I have a feeling you're going to get out there and enjoy it. But that said, I mean, like, I have a secondary Corolla, mm-hmm. uh, 86, and it's a hatchback. It's got the original 4AG motor, and it's probably got 300,000 kilometers at the speedo stop working, so I don't know. <laughs> um, it's a blast. When I'm entering turn zero or turn one at uh, at Shannonville, it's basically top of third. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Top That's your third. gauge? Top yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Fourth gear if you're a man. Or, yeah. <laughs> Or shorter gearing. Yeah. <laughs> or smaller tires, dude. Or smaller tires. Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, the secondary Corolla has basically taken over. And it's been my workhorse for, I think, the past four years. And finally, like, this year, I finally crashed it. Oh, no. <laughs> finally. Yeah, finally crashed it. I kind of was expecting that. Mm-hmm. And it was stupid. I was just, like, you know, getting in on someone that, you know, close proximity, getting in on someone thinking that they're not going to you know, screw up. And lo lo and behold, I'm, you know, he was too slow for my taste. So I kind of like held back. Mm -hmm. 
and then he spun in front of me and I had nowhere to go and then poof a little oh. bit of a bump oh no yeah but it, it wasn't uh it looked ugly but you know mechanically the car is still all there excellent yeah and it'll be back in shape, ready to go for yeah, the yeah, yeah. late spring. Early it's a part spring. of the sport. Yeah, it's yeah. Sport. I mean, that's yeah. something I'm sure you guys are all. Actually, you know what? That's a weird question. Is for I, I know for track days. So like you know, time attack. Well, sorry, I've got to do like allegedly the air quotes. You know, time <laughs> attack or lapping days. There are companies that'll supply track day insurance. I think there's actually a company here in, in Canada, yeah, in Toronto called Track Day Insurance. Guys. Does yeah. that exist in the drift world? It's uh, out of budget for pretty much everyone that drifts. I would imagine so, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I looked into that as well. Like, you have to be a um, club affiliated, like oh, okay. a racing club affiliate. It has to be a sanctioned lapping day. Uh-huh. And the sanctioning bodies are basically, you know, not something... Like, it's hard to sanction drifting at this point. Yeah. You it's know? Too, too early in the It's still like gray area yeah. for yeah. it all. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, yeah. listen, I mean, if there's insurance guys out there listening, maybe an opportunity for you as the sport continues to grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the fastest growing motorsport in the world right but now. It's also, so. in my opinion, it's safer than door to door threshold of grip racing where oh, for if sure. you, one single bump can take you off track and you die. But, right. you know, this is like you're taking essentially a slower, more safer line um, through a turn. Yeah. yeah. It just, yeah. It, the thing is, it just looks really dangerous but the reality of it is no one's drifting faster than like 80 kilometers an hour that's shannon maybe that's you yeah i mean the difference of going up the back straight at most sport and you know guys are topping out literally topping out and coming into that corner i mean it's like there's just such different speed limits when it comes to the the different styles of driving and racing and driving and racing with other cars, literally wheel to wheel with you. Yeah. 80 kilometers an hour, 90 kilometers an hour, 40 kilometers an hour. I mean, you know, you're side by side drifting. That's not also the norm, right? I mean, you guys are out there doing safe track days where you're not necessarily side by side with a car until you can, you know, you're good enough to learn how to do that. Yeah. 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 yeah, I love it. I mean, I think there's a lot to look forward to. I'm going to definitely be watching out for what you guys are up to. And I hope that you'll keep me super posted on how this all goes, because I mean, if there's anybody listening that's at all interested in this, which I imagine there will be, you guys have given us some really valuable information. I think that like getting into it. And for me, I, I mean, I do the $15,000 used car challenge episodes and I never even set the budget low enough to look at the, you know, sub $2,000 I think we should do that segments. Segment. <laughs> I mean, we can definitely, I think we, we should definitely do definitely. an episode on it because if, if these vehicles are available for the 600 to a $1,500 range and that's going to get somebody into drifting, that's a really valuable piece of information for everyone. Yeah, I paid a thousand dollars for my car, and my friends yelled at me because I paid too much. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing! I love the frugality of all of it because I mean, you guys are you're going through so many consumables that I imagine. I mean, every single part you're looking at five different ways to see which is the cheapest. Scrounging and scur- uh, scrounging through uh, what's available to you through your friends, through Kijiji, through Craigslist, through everywhere you can probably find parts for. So, I mean, you could be kind of frugal and get a Chevette, I guess. <laughs> oh my God. But yes, I mean, Chevette. like you're not really going to find some parts for it and you're going to have to be a master fabricator to make it work. Yeah. And but, you know, you know, a lot of us, like, I know I put my car together to drive me to work, drive me to the track, take me around the track, often very close with my friends and then, uh, drive me home. So and then back to work the next morning. Yeah, and then back to work the yeah. next morning. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the. It's crazy because it takes a lot of discipline to do something like that, where you know you're you're reliant on that piece of transportation. Oh, yeah, so I mean, hustling. kudos to you guys. I, I think that it's an exercise, um, in being frugal and being responsible and being irresponsible all at the same time. Yeah, it's a yeah. really it's interesting kind of a combination. Weird conjunction of, of things, yeah. right? Taught me a lot about money <laughs> management for sure. <laughs> Okay, guys, so what I want to end this with is um, a topic that I've started into with a lot of my guests, and I find it interesting. I was saying earlier, it's like a it's a study with everyone who's interested in automotive, which is the future of it. And so there are a lot of people out there and a lot of very, you know, well-established, um, well-established both businesses and um, analysts that are looking at the automotive industry and speculating that youth simply aren't going to be buying cars or they're going to be using 
car sharing services only. They're simply not interested in driving. Um, I used this question back with Lane Skelton uh, with Driving Well Awesome, but I mean, how do we stoke the fire of automotive enthusiasm? And that certainly comes from the guys from Driving Well Awesome and their whole um, understanding and kind of sensibilities when it comes to getting people into automotive and what they love about it. And he's seeing something very interesting, but he's in California, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a very different perspective for him than it is for us geographically, very different, demographically, slightly different. What do you guys see? I mean, you're getting involved in this. You're starting to throw these events. You're doing these events. Um, you know, what, what's your perspective on it? How, how are you seeing this youthful world of automotive developing or not developing? Uh, First of all, Devo's in that group. Yeah. <laughs> Devo's there. Yeah, yeah Devo is this. there. I'm pretty sure what's going to happen with cars is people aren't going to own them anymore. It's mm -hmm. going to be more of a, you kind of call a car, like an automated car to come to your house. Absolutely. And maybe it's scheduled to show up at 830 every morning and you get in the car, it takes you to work. Mm -hmm. makes more sense. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of car guys aren't. It's almost there. Yeah, right. No, I, I, Uber, I genuinely Uber think... Uber and Lyft are literally almost there with it already. So, exactly. Yeah. And I think that as soon as uh, AI takes over cars mm -hmm. and that's all one system and stuff, I think the roads are going to be safer. I think that's going to be better for everyone. I think what's going to happen to... Uh, the automotive, I guess, scene is kind of, I guess, what happened with like horses and horseback riding and that people that kind of like horses have been phased out for hundreds of years, but people still ride horses because they're fun. So I think there's actually going to be like a motorsport boom almost. Like I think everyone that's everyone that has these cars, I think, are just going to want to go to the track and see what they can do. And I really like fun. that analogy. I think, it's, it's a really interesting way to relate that. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I'm stoned. I don't know. No. <laughs> no, we're not smoking anything out of the air. No. No. Honestly, though, it's. Um, I mean, I've used the analogy of um, of it being like a like a like playing golf or having a country club, but I think the relevance to it as a piece of transportation and the history of transportation with horses, which was the only method of transportation yeah. for so long, at least in certain instances, that moving to what we would see maybe in automotive is seems so right. That's Pair really that with this yeah. kind of like country club world of we've got to buy our fuel from a website that, only, you know, you got to buy your fuel That's eight days in advance and it's, have it delivered because nobody refines petroleum anymore. That's what I mean. Or it's crude oil. The, the love that, you know, guys like me, you and Jover kind of have for cars. That's like, that's going to be there forever. You know, whether cars get a phased out, whether I'm not even allowed to drive my car on the street anymore, that doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Which is likely. It's probably yeah, going to happen within my lifetime. I'm not going to be able, it's going to be illegal to drive my you, car on Your the lifetime. Road. Jover and I, maybe not so much. I'm going to drive off a cliff by then. <laughs> but, but that just means my, you know, souped up BMW, sure, I can't street drive it and take it to work and, you know, I might not be able to have that joy, but racetracks are still going to be around. That just means I'm going to be towing it or having it towed to racetracks more often. Absolutely. You know, people don't use horses as transportation, but they still take them to the horse track and jump them and race them. And there's still these massive crowds for all this, you know, and it's, it's a dated, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it should still apply. That's true. You could look at it as a horse as a motor transportation. Yeah. You could look at it as a sport. Yeah. Or for fun. Absolutely. That's my prediction. Yeah. I really like that, Dio. That's awesome. First. You heard awesome. it here first. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, Jover? What do you think, man? Honestly, um, I, I think um, there's going to always be a core niche, like the U.S. said, of people that, you know, we're in a digital age. And I feel like, you know, we're going to have AI soon and mm -hmm. things are going to make decisions for us. But as that more moves forward and progresses, I feel like we're going to have um, sort of like a... a a way, uh, we're all going to find a way to connect or control something or like want to be tactile about our experiences in life, mm -hmm. not something just, you know, kind of like processed. Right. You it's have just... to have a say in how this process works. And by golly, you're going to enjoy it. You know, like I think there's going to be people, especially young people that are going to rediscover, especially because the old people are going to die off. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's inevitable. I'm going to, yeah. you know, we all want to buy a Ferrari F40, but we have to buy it off somebody that's going to pass away, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's the only way. It's yeah. True. Or, you know, win the lottery. Um, Yeah, so I see it as like something that, you know, as humanity will progress, I feel like there's going to be sort of a harking back to the olden days of actually being, putting input and controlling a machine and enjoying and being kind of symbiotic with that experience and you know 
Yeah, I think that there's something about retro always coming back and being cool. And maybe I'm just too close to my experience at Radwood recently, but, <laughs> you know, it's like, when did we, you know, we collectively, the three of us always probably thought 80s and 90s cars were super cool. But I, I don't think that, I don't think that today's generation that weren't necessarily aware of what's happening in automotive thought that 80s and 90s cars were all that cool. Mm. These guys put together an, an unbelievable curated collection of 80s and 90s cars. And when they were talking about it, they were attracting people who didn't necessarily really have all that much interest in the cars, but they did in the 80s and 90s culture, that part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and when you look at these objects that are so significant in that time period, I think it starts to attract people back. And if we are the ones or there are people in, enthusiastic about cars that continue to collect and tune and build and have all of these things, inevitably in 20 years when everything is an AI driven vehicle that just shows up at your door with the touch of a button and it takes me to and from work and you know, I get all that time back in my day and I can work in a car, I can do all these things that I'm not necessarily worried about because I'm in traffic. Mm. Cool, I, I might be fine with that. But on the side or on the weekends, Definitely. you know, we are going back to enjoying these like super visceral experiences that yeah. smell and sound crazy and exactly. go way too fast and are, you know, by the modern standards, completely out of control because there's no computer in there, at yeah. least the computers that are of now yeah. that are stopping you from going into another vehicle or getting on a track or going too fast or going too slow and all of those things. And I think that. There is a future for all of it, but it, you know, I mean, with no pressure, it relies on us to continue doing what yes, we're doing definitely. and staying enthusiastic yeah, about all of this. Honestly, like my, my enthusiasm is probably going to go back in time. Like, you know, I'm really on this 80s kick. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm an 80s kid. <laughs> but um, I can imagine, like, as I progressively get older, I'm going to get into more impractically hot, roddy, carburetor smelling gas smelling cars like, you know <laughs> like we're it. probably gonna go into the 60s and 50s and you know next thing you know i'm in a little bucket hot rod i'm i'm down with that <laughs> yeah no, i'm with it i mean like i just think using gas for a daily driver i think we're beyond that i think we're past that shit. yeah mm -hmm. i can't stand it i hate how much i hate buying gas i hate pumping it I hate dealing with that crap i'd rather just have like a prius to just to get around i know whatever oh, I'll no. it's fine we're gonna we're gonna end the podcast right now he just said that devo right. just said yeah, whatever. that whatever holy i'd rather no, like, there is no hope <laughs> but if it means if it means i can have like a ridiculous you know like v8 twin turbo one mile per gallon whatever to drive on the weekend the or weekend drive the evenings yeah i have a weekend I hear rocket yeah I it's all for it for as much shit as i give people for it i know i completely hear it my you know i i've i had my daily driver to get to and from work which is obnoxious because i'm in the city and it's like five kilometers away <laughs> but the you know driving a driving a three you know just sub 300 horsepower all-wheel drive machine to and from work is I'm I you know I'm never even in third gear, yeah. and, and and I'm in traffic and I'm mad and now that I'm in this cross track with this eyesight system that I can set basically in stop and go traffic and not have to touch the brake or the accelerator at all I just steer the vehicle and it just it just <laughs> guides it just guides me through traffic and it's brilliant and I absolutely love it and I mean kudos to Subaru because that's a really affordable piece of tech in a car that's not all that expensive but. I hear you because I think that's where we're going and I use Uber a ton. Lyft is just about to be here. GM and Ford have invested so much money in the AI and autonomous world of supplying vehicles to those guys. So it's coming. It's going to be here, but I'll leave it with. I agree with you guys that I think this will end up being a um, uh, I don't want to be sexist, but I don't know what the other the right term is. It, it used to be a gentleman's sport. But it is no longer a gentleman's sport. It's open to whoever it is, but it is, it's a sport for people that are passionate and enthusiastic about a particular thing. And I think that thing is going to be these cars that we all love, drive, and 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 have such a connection to. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's inevitable that we will want to have control over something. And I think the way technology is going, it is going to really limit what that control happens to yeah, be. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, if you can make the control be like opposite so it'd be counter steering to steer right you know like, <laughs> i'm down with making something like really cool like that like you know you're constantly counter steering a car that, that'd be like maybe an experiment in like 
automotive design, but I think that'd be cool. <laughs> Do you know actually? I on that I I remember um, from the last um, from the last show with Lane. We talked about uh, an interesting thing on his side is, I mean, for him, he's got all these amazing canyon roads. We have like forks of the credit. Mm. <laughs> um, but if all of these cars are autonomous and all of these cars are self, you know, so they're sorry, they're autonomous, they're self-driving um, and they have all this tech, they're going to stick to all the main thoroughfares. Exactly. They are going to be on all of these roads, you know, an inch away from the bumper in front of them and traffic flow will be regulated. There won't be the same kind of congestion and traffic that we would normally see, so on and so forth. What happens to all the side roads? Nobody's going to be on them. Yeah, and then what? Get we, we get left on. with all these incredible driving roads. Like, how awesome would that yeah, be? Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be bad at all. Yeah. I mean, there's saying. the, like, golden carrot out of all of it. Okay, anyways, yeah. we're, we're at an hour. So uh, I'm going to end it with that. Where can I find both? Where can anyone listening find both of you guys? So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, give us your websites. Uh, Jover, start with you. Um, I got on Instagram really early. So it's just at Jover. That's J-O-V-E-R wow. on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Real mm -hmm. easy to find me. You can stalk me. It's a public yeah, uh, you, profile. So you should. You should. I mean, There's definitely always... get to know me. Uh, hit me up. Message me. I'm really approachable. The 86 you know? OG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back in the day of like. No, this OG OGs, but I mean, like, I feel like here, uh, you know, I, I like to carry that torch and sort of like in the spirit of, you know, 86 life. No, yeah. he's, 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 um, he's being modest. <laughs> All right, Devo, how about you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at DevoCat, D-E-V-O-C-A-T. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm on Facebook too, but I don't really know if I want you to have me on Facebook. So, just, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you can also follow Scraped Crusaders. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Follow Scraped Crusaders at scrapedcrusaders.com or on Facebook at scraped.crusaders. I don't know why there's a period in the middle, but there is. <laughs> and we're going to yeah. have uh, the Drift Jam website. I mean, like, who uses websites nowadays? But no, you're gonna love our eventually website. we'll have a cool I, I think with the whole radwood thing yeah you're gonna love it so yeah yeah well i mean however i can be involved maybe maybe we can get the guys from radwood involved i think i and i'll show you some photos after this it's rarely ever talked about i think because those guys see them so much but dudes the 86s that were at radwood were just drool worthy. I mean, some really stellar stuff. I'll take you through the photos afterwards. But Sick. in the meantime, um, thanks everyone for listening. I've got a ton of really great episodes and guests coming up. Keep you warm this winter. So stay tuned. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne. This has been the Bucket Seat Podcast. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. It means a ton to me. Stay tuned for what's coming up. And so uh, next episode, we will uh, we'll chat about another $15,000 used car challenge, getting you ready for the winter. Uh, and in the meantime, Take care. Peace. Peace.